Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. Well, hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Come on, LifePoint Church. What a great day to be together. We have a lot of, lots of reasons to worship the Lord and celebrate today. And before we get to that, I just wanna say welcome to all of you. Welcome to LifePoint Church. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are honored to serve as pastors here, especially if this is your first time with us, we wanna say a big welcome to you. And everybody joining us online and at our Austin Peay State University campus, we love you guys so much. And hey, everyone at Austin Peay, you'll be joining us at our Rossview campus next Sunday. Cannot wait to see you guys in person. And don't forget our Christmas schedule, everybody. Pastor Elmer mentioned it here, and I know Pastor Jordan's mentioned it at Austin P. but next Saturday at three o'clock and five o'clock, uh, we have our first two services, and then Sunday morning, our regular schedule, 7.30, 9 a.m., excuse me, 7.30, 9, 10.30, and noon, yes. And uh, I wanna encourage everybody today, like make plans to invite somebody to join you for one of our Christmas services. This is a great time to invite friends, families, family members, neighbors, et cetera, uh, do me a favor and grab your smartphone. If you're at Austin P or online, you can scan. There's a, a QR code that you should have seen, but grab your phone and just tap that little, that little sticker on the seat in front of you there. And uh, this is a great time for you to make sure that you connect to your church and take the next steps that are in front of you. When you tap on that or you scan the QR code, it'll take you to our connect page where you can give online, where you can follow through to get connected to our next steps. You will also notice the disaster relief button is there and the page for you to get connected to all that we're doing to help serve our city. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But that is kind of your one-stop shop. And if you're in the Rossview room, uh, that tap, that little feature is available for you all the time as ways to connect. And we update that and refresh that page quite a bit. So make sure that you're tracking that as well. Let me just thank you on the front end for being a generous church as always, for being a tithing and giving church. And I wanna tell you where some of your generosity has been going this week, but we believe Christians are to bring tithe and offerings to the Lord, and we bring that through our local church. And it is our privilege to do this, and I'm so grateful for your generosity all the time. If LifePoint Church is your home church, let me encourage you to be faithful in the discipline of bringing this, these gifts, these offerings to the Lord. Bring your first, bring your first tenth, that is your tithe, to the Lord. You can do it online. You can do it through the mail. You can tap on that little tag here in the room or scan that QR code to do it. You can text to give. Honestly, some, a lot of you have switched to mailing it in. Uh, you can set it up through auto draft of your bank, uh, however you wanna do it. I just wanna say thank you for your generosity. We try to make as many avenues for that as possible, especially since COVID, we don't like pass buckets anymore. I don't know if y'all have noticed that, but we don't do the offering bucket or the offering plate as it is. And so your generosity is on you as a, as a discipline, just as one of your other spiritual disciplines that you participate in. I was reading uh, last night, just in preparation for today's message in Matthew chapter two, you know, when the, the wise men came to Jesus, they had followed the prompting of the Lord to get to him. And we don't know how many wise men actually there are. Most people assume three and probably the nativity sets that most of you have have three wise men. And the reason we celebrate three is because there were three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but we don't know how many there were. However, it says in uh, Matthew chapter two, verse 10, they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. They, when they saw the child, they fell down and worshiped him and then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts. And I think a, a, a constant response of our knowing Jesus and following Jesus 
is to live a life of joy and rejoicing. Hello, can you say amen to that? I mean, in the days that we're living in, we need a source of joy, which we're gonna talk about today. What does it mean to have a life of joy, especially in pain and grief? But the wise men, after all of this travel, their first response to meeting Jesus was joy and rejoicing. And let me just encourage you to live a life of rejoicing. And uh, second thing they did is they fell on their face and worshiped him. He hasn't done anything but be born. And yet, because he was born as God, he was worthy of worship. Let me just encourage you in every Sunday service, in every day of your life, take time to bow your heart, bow your body, bow your hands, your head, and lift your hands and just worship our King Jesus. And the third thing they did is they opened their box of treasures and they gave to him. Generosity is a part of our response of knowing Jesus. Some people challenge, you know, why does church take offerings and tithes? Listen, we, we live generously because of our love and our devotion to the Lord Jesus. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being a tithing and giving church, a rejoicing, a worshiping, and a giving church. Amen, everyone. What a busy week we have had. And what a, uh, what a great week to celebrate some wins and to grieve with our neighbors and how do we walk through this? We're gonna talk about some of that today, but last week our city was hit by an EF3 tornado with 150 mile an hour winds. And I, do, I just wanna give you a little update on how it's been going this week. But just in case you don't know the actual stats of the damage, the path of the storm covered 13 miles through the most densely populated parts of our city. At widest, it was 600 yards wide had a debris cloud upwards of 10,000 feet into the sky. That's almost two miles high. And we have worked all week with our city, with other churches. We have worked with YAPAC Outreach. Can I just honor because Sherry and Steve are in the house. YAPAC Outreach has been tremendous. And honestly, so many, yeah, so many nonprofits in town have just been, thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us to give honor where it's due, so just sit there and receive that. We love you, Sherry and Steve, and thankful for YAPAC Outreach, and what a tremendous partner. And by the way, uh, they're not done, and we aren't either. But just to, just to bring it back to what we're talking about, YAPAC Outreach, other nonprofits, Loaves and Fishes, Mana Cafe, I mean, so many are, are working tirelessly in our city. We have served our city well. We have lost the lives of three of our citizens through the tornado. And that is something we are continuing to pray about, serving their families. All told, we had over 2,200 homes directly hit by this tornado. 25 churches were actually hit. Multiple businesses were hit. Of the homes uh, that were destroyed, 267 were considered a total loss. 514 were such major damage that they would basically be totaled out by their insurance. So that's over 800 of the homes uh, of the 2,200, and just under 1,000 had significant enough damage that they may be repairable, but they're not inhabitable at this moment. The amount of damage was more than required to qualify as a federal disaster zone. If you did a multiplier of $250,000 per home destroyed, it's a $200 million cost just to repair homes, not including businesses and the other damages to power lines, et cetera. FEMA is here giving aid to families as a result of this federal disaster declared on our city. 
We all know the terrible news, but I also wanna tell you some really great news of how the hands of your church have just shown the light of of Jesus and the body of Christ in our town has shown up. So, you know, uh, we have raised, as LifePoint alone, we've raised over $300,000 for disaster relief and we praise God for that. We have helped with 181 individual requests for care and help. We've responded to 284 different projects. That's whether it's a home visit, financial assistance, or most importantly, serving on cleanup projects and debris projects. And by the way, we're not done and we're gonna continue to help with that. We actually did an estimate of the total value of hours served and it would be, if you, if you calculated the amount of hours served by our church, uh, it was 19,387 combined working hours of volunteers this week. And the value, according to FEMA, they have this really interesting calculator, would be just under $400,000 worth of volunteer hours alone. So I just wanna say thank you, LifePoint. You're showing up in a very strong way. Thank you to the churches of our city. Thank you to the nonprofits in our city. Thank you to the volunteers, the military, those family members and the stranger neighbors who just show up and don't need a name recognition and don't care for that. What a great time to be in our city. Um, this week I was able to do a media hit and I shared that last, uh, earlier in the spring, last spring our city was named the hottest zip code in America to move into. And I don't just think it's the property values, I think it's the people in our city that live here, that show up and over and over again we have heard how the response to this disaster is unlike anything anyone has seen before in in, uh, emergency management, FEMA, like the Tennessee Emergency Management, they're going, we've never seen anything like what happened to Clarksville. And we just keep going, it's because our city's awesome. Did you not hear what we've been saying for years? So way to go, way to go church, way to go body of Christ. Now listen, let me thank you for everyone who has prayed, everyone who has served, everyone who has given, everyone who has lost sleep, I wanna encourage you though, do not sit out on this. And if you've not participated, the time is not up yet. We've still got plenty to do. In fact, our church specifically has been, and I wanna honor Meg Pritchett, Christian Christensen, and our outreach and disaster team as well. You guys have done a tremendous job. Thank you for leading well. Our church has been entrusted with the responsibility to now recruit and send out all the volunteer teams for cleanup projects as they remain in our city. And we are doing a bulk of the fundraising and the fund distribution. So we have a lot of responsibility as a church and I'm asking everyone of our church to participate, not just our leaders or our staff, but I'm asking everyone. We have five to 6,000 people that call this church home on a given week. And I would love to see every one of us download our app, follow us on social media and on our website and show up this week to serve to give, to, to pray, and to just put your hands on the shoulders of people who have lost everything, and let's be a huge blessing to our city. I believe with all my heart that crisis, although painful, is an amazing opportunity to show up and bless others and let the light of the gospel shine as bright as ever. During the COVID pandemic, I mean, we just saw churches all around the country become places of hope and light in our culture, and I'm telling you, Uh, we get to be the face and the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in moments like this. As dark as it is, I think crisis is a spotlight for the strength of the body of Christ. And so I'm asking everybody to participate. There's no sitting by watching this and thinking, well, there's nothing I can contribute. And listen, guard your heart against cynicism and and guard your heart against like this idea that, well, everybody else, they don't need me. We need you. 
There is way too much to do for us to sit back idly. I know the holidays are coming. I know there's a lot going on and we want everyone to pace themselves, but I believe everyone can do something. And so I'm calling on everyone in our church to get involved. And let me just thank you for what you've done so far. And thank you for what you continue to do to pray, serve, and to give generously. Amen, everyone. Well, how does that connect on a day like today? I mean, we're in the third week of our Advent series and today we're looking at the theme of joy uh, we're, we're in the third week of Advent. This is the season of, of awaiting. We, we, we imagine with churches all around the world celebrating Advent, we imagine the world prior to com- the coming of Jesus, right? And Advent is this celebration of his arrival. And with the arrival of Jesus, our Christ, our King, our Lord, this is also the arrival of God's hope and God's peace to the world and God's joy and the arrival of God's love. Those are in fact the four themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love, if you're taking notes. By the way, on our app, if you haven't downloaded our app, you should, but there's always a place for you to take sermon notes on your phone, then you can keep them in a collection for yourself as you move forward. But today we're gonna focus on the arrival of joy. We're all familiar with the famous Christian lyric, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her King. The coming of Jesus into our world full of pain and grief and suffering is the arrival of God, the Son, and the arrival of God's joy. He is our source of joy. He is our King. Let earth receive her King. How many of you know we serve a good King? And joy, man, what an interesting word, right? Everyone thinks of joy as a very positive word. People think of joy as a word that brings elation, delight or happiness, laughter, or an emotion of gladness. And I don't have a problem with that, but I think for the Christian, joy is an actual deeper conviction type of word. Jesus didn't come to just make you happy. If that's the case, then you can blame Jesus for doing whatever you want, if it makes you happy, right? Well, that's not the kind of joy that Christ comes to bring. For the Christian, joy is a choice. We choose joy. That's one of our values as a church, right? Everybody choose joy. But joy is the choice to respond to the situations of life, whether high or low. I love the song we we sang this morning, all my life you've been faithful, your goodness is running after me. Like we just confident, every time I sing that song, I go back to sixth grade me on a baseball field wondering about the Lord. I'll just never forget. Every time we sing that song, especially the lyric, all my life you have been faithful. I think of of 12 year old me getting dropped off by a neighbor's dad because my dad wasn't in my life and I'm, I'm going to baseball practice. And I just remember for some reason that place in my life, wondering if God was real, if he cared about me and if he saw my life. I just remember those thoughts as a sixth, sixth grader. And every time we sing that song, I go back to those days and I just remember like even when I don't like feel or sense the hand of God or the visual of God's attention on me, that doesn't mean he's not paying attention to me because all my life he's been faithful and joy is the choice to respond to this life with an inner contentment and satisfaction because man, we know God and we know that God's with us. Joy is part of the fruit of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control. Joy is part of the fruit or the produce of the spirit of God on the inside of us. How do we have joy in times of great pain? Because we live with God. It's a holy happiness, not because of my circumstances are good, because the God in me is good. It's hard to discuss joy though, 
in times of great tragedy. I've joked for a long time. I hate when people say to me in tragedy, well, count it all joy, brother. I'm gonna tell you what I didn't do one time this whole week, talking to people, yeah, hallelujah, (laughs) talking to people out there on the street. Well, praise God, count it all joy. Your house is missing. That's a punch in the throat. That's what that is. You gotta use emotional intelligence and wisdom with this stuff. But we do consider it a joy. We have a a contentment and a confidence that God's with us when our world falls apart, but it's just hard to talk about joy in times of tragedy. So I wanna talk about it today for you and also for those that you're serving and those that you know, like how do we process this? Especially if we believe joy is simply happiness or laughter, no one is happy in tragedy. No one is laughing at someone's pain. If they are, (laughs) they're not your friend, I'll tell you that right now. That's not joy. But joy, the fruit of the spirit in us, is that we can know God is with us in tragedy. We can choose joy. I choose a contentment. I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna see the hand of God in times of pain because I know that God is walking with me through this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me, right? That kind of joy is deeper. That kind of joy is satisfying. It, 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 it satisfies a confidence that pushes against fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. When someone's dealing with anxiety and fear, you just say, hey man, God's with you. Don't forget the Lord is present. I wanna tell you like the angel did in Luke chapter two, if you're in your Bible, turn with me to Luke two. It's one of the most famous passages and will be the theme verse for most of this message today. The coming of Jesus into the world is the appearing of joy to the world. Luke two verses 10 and 11 says, The angel of the Lord said to the shepherds, if you remember the shepherds abiding in the field and an angel appeared in great light and it freaked them all out and the angel responds with, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. There it is. The announcement, the first thing said about Jesus to anyone who gets to experience him, I bring you good news of great joy and it will be for who? All the people. So this good news, Jesus brings good news, Jesus brings great joy, and Jesus brings it for everybody. This has to be our witness this week. This has to be our message. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Underline those three terms as well. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. We'll come back to that in a moment. This is the announcement of God through the angel that night. The arrival of Jesus into a painful world is good news. It is good news that Christ has come. It's good news of great joy. It's great joy for all people. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Our world, even in pain, can know the joy of the Lord, which is God is with us. Matthew chapter two calls his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it's, again, it seems like an odd time to talk about joy especially with tremendous grief. We stood with many, many families this week who asked a lot of questions about God, who struggled with the pain of what they've lost. Even yesterday, as we had cleanup crews out, many of the places we were at yesterday, it was the first time anybody had been able to help them with any cleanup. And they're asking questions. Where, where have y'all been? Where's God? What's, how'd this happen to me? In a time of great grief, It's odd to talk about joy, but look at me, everybody. This is part of our confession. This is part of our confidence in the gospel, that God is with us. I'm content and satisfied in him. Now, I wanna share with you something that a pastor friend of mine showed me 
this week. Pastor Stephen Boykin, Boykin pastors his house ministries in Madison, Kentucky. And we met him two years ago when our church was helping their city after those terrible tornadoes went through Madison, Kentucky and other parts of Western Kentucky. Remember the candle factory collapsed and killed a bunch of people. Well, this pastor was a part of the, the, the disaster relief for all of that. And he shared with me, he, he's been calling a lot, just, say, just checking on us and man, we've been through this. What can we do to serve you? And by the way, in Madison, Kentucky, they just finished that church, not the city or the government, that church just finished rebuilding their 25th house for families. And they're on track next year to build 50 houses. All total, we'll have 75 houses. God is moving. And I'm telling you, the church shines bright in tragedy. You guys gotta hear me when I say this. So he shared something with me that I think is helpful for us, especially as we try to choose joy and experience the joy of the Lord and joy at Christmas with everything we've been through in the past week with grief. And you need these notes to help other people. Pastor Rick Warren, the founder and the long-term pastor of Saddleback Church, he just retired two years ago. He wrote about the stages of grief that he experienced when his son died by suicide. His grown son had died by suicide. Now, in the counseling world, you may know this, but they, they talk about five stages of grief. And I think all of us should understand that these are normal emotional stages. We, my wife and I are walking with a young lady who, whose husband tragically died this year. We're walking through a, couple, a, a number of couples that are going through some marital crises right now. And, and of course, we're talking to hundreds and hundreds of families who are in different stages of grief. And everyone processes these stages differently and at different paces, by the way. But the first stage in the counseling language is denial. I can't, no, this didn't happen. No, this is not real. I can't, no, this is not happening right now. Then anger. Oh my gosh, this, I'm furious. What in the world? Then we go into bargaining. Man, I will do anything to stop this from happening. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. This is when couples start negotiating terms to try to repair a broken marriage because they're just so desperate to not lose everything. They start bargaining and, or depression is the fourth stage and finally comes acceptance. By the way, these cycles of stages of grief are very hard. Every one of them is hard for different reasons. Well, Pastor Rick Warren suggests that he went through st six stages that he experiences and he, he puts some biblical uh, uh, context to these stages and he, and he helps us see that God is with us through these stages. And so I wanna teach you these six stages of grief according to Pastor Rick Warren and they're helpful and they kind of mirror these five stages, but obviously there's a sixth one. And they all start with the letter S, which makes it more memorable. So write these down if you will. The first stage is shock. It's like denial. The initial response that we feel when our world is thrown upside down, it's usually the first few days uh, after an Im immediate crisis, like spouse runs out on you with another person or the the tornado destroys your house. We just go into shock. And I'll be honest, like that first day, we all saw a lot of people walking around going, what in the world? And, and people not able to formulate sentences and they're just not sure what's happened. And honestly, your body naturally reacts with shock as a protection. It's a chemical reaction that happens to you. Shock is normal. Shock is natural. I remember getting injured one time and they, I, I was trying to be a superstar softballer uh, it was when I quit softball. I hung it up. Everybody retired officially. And I remember Les Fuller looking at me because I had a bad injury and he just says, I think you're starting to go into shock. And um, so anyway, I just panicked and I just flew off the handle on everyone. Anyway, just kidding. But shock is an instinctive reaction and it's natural. 
And by the way, you, you've got to learn that we're past that stage for most people now, but you have to learn how to identify because what happens is others that are watching, we watch someone in shock and we want to fix and you just, you can't right then. Shock is a human endorphin run reaction and it's very natural. But after shock comes the second stage, according to Pastor Rick Warren, of sorrow. Shock, he says, is a human emotion, but sorrow is a God-given emotion. You move from shock to sorrow and now you start the grieving process, which could include those five stages of denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But sorrow begins and God is never shocked. How many of you know what shocks us doesn't shock him? because he's God forever, he knows everything, he knows the beginning and the end, the, the future and the past, he, he knows everything, nothing shocks him, nothing wakes God up going, oh my gosh, what just happened? Shock is a human emotion, but sorrow is part of God-given emotion for us. And the Bible refers to godly sorrows as part of our life under God. In fact, sorrow is a part of what brings us to repentance. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus had died. The Bible says he was a man acquainted with sorrows. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was deeply sorrowful. He prayed to the point of bleeding, sweating like drops of blood. Sorrow is a part of our grief. And very often when we're grieving with, with sorrow, it's because we care about what just happened. I mean, sorrow is an indicator that you love what you lost. It's a very normal emotion. It's a very normal stage it's because we care about the thing or the person or the relationship that's been lost. And Jesus, can I, look at me, everybody. Jesus can identify with you in the place of sorrow. He was a man acquainted with sorrows. He knows that feeling. This is part of the incarnational, like the doctrine of incarnation, that God became man. He became one of us. And I believe it's partially because he can identify every pain, every grief, every tear you shed this week. He knows what that feels like because he's acquainted with sorrows. Then it moves to the third stage of struggle. And this is when we ask questions in the five stages of grief, this may be the bargaining. This is when we ask the why questions. Why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? Why now? Why me and not them? Why them and not me? And on and on and on. And we struggle with questions that we may never get answers for. And some of us will never get past this stage because we're so demanding of answers. And listen to me, your why questions are fine for you to ask, but you getting answers is not fine for you to always accept, expect. Because at some point we have to trust that even though I don't have an answer, I can trust the Lord. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane says to the Lord, if there's any way this could not happen to me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Listen, we've got to get to a point in our, in our struggling, in our bargaining, we have to get to a point where we can say, because of the joy in us, because of the confidence in us, man, I may not get an answer to why my son suffered that way or my house came apart or why my marriage fell apart or why I lost my job. I may not get those answers, but nevertheless, I trust the goodness of God. His goodness and mercy outweighs my need for an answer. We get to a place of struggle. And you may not get answers, but it's okay to ask them. Listen, it's all right to struggle with why and especially struggle with why in your prayer closet. Listen, what happens is we don't get answers from God right away and we don't see a scripture that gives a, a meaningful answer. So then we start struggling with others and we take counsel outside of the house of God sometimes and then people give answers like, well, see, God's not real. 
Well, see, God didn't hear you. And some of us are getting lies and false answers in a demand for some kind of closure. And we've got to get to the place in this point of struggle where we can say, man, nevertheless, I trust the goodness of God. Just because you struggle with why doesn't mean God struggles with you asking why. Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's a man acquainted with your sorrow and your struggle. The fourth step is the place of surrender. So, so we have, we've been shocked, we've had sorrow, we've struggled, now we surrender. This is when we stop asking and demanding of God and we begin the process of accepting what's happened. I can't change it, my house is gone, he's left me, my kid is sick. We start surrendering to the reality of what's happening and a new normal. I'm trying to help you guys understand even how to share in your small group and how to counsel people that are needing this this week. We start surrendering to a new normal. We start learning to accept the pain that has occurred and we start learning that we can move forward with God because of our joy, because of a confidence that the Lord is with us. Man, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna move forward. And my only pathway to peace is accepting that God is with me and I'm choosing joy in spite of pain. Jesus modeled this when he prayed again in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna walk through this with the Lord. Then we get to a, a place, and I love this, how Pastor Rick makes this switch. Then we get to a place of sanctification. Sanctification is an old church word. How many of y'all know that old church word, everybody? Sanctification means to be set apart. It means to be made something different. It means to be made holy and, and made different and made righteous. And it's something God does. The Bible, one of the names of God is Jehovah Tzidkenu, the God who makes us righteous, and Jehovah Makadesh, the God who sanctifies us, sets us apart, makes us different. And there is a process of sanctification that some, how many of you know, there are some things that we'll only learn through pain. And this is God growing us through grief and through pain. This is when God begins to change us and turns our pain into purpose. I'm about to give you all some preaching points right here. He starts using the bad for our good. Romans 8, 28 in the New Living Translation says it like this. We know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose for them. That doesn't mean everything happens, God did it. That doesn't mean everything that happens. This is a, a statement I've heard a lot this week. Well, we know everything happens for a reason. That's great, only that's fortune cookie theology, not Bible theology. Everything happens for a reason is this dismissive way of just blind, blind acceptance. No, not everything happens for a reason. Some things happen because life is terrible. Some things happen because people are bad. But because we love God, joy, we have a contentment that God can use whatever happens for good for us. Because we trust God's word, not fortune cookie Christianity. Y'all heard what I'm saying, everybody. This is when God starts changing us. He starts shaping our personality and our character. Can I tell you how many times I was able to share personal experience from the loss I went through in my fire? and personal experience from the loss that I've walked other families through, like all those things became good for somebody else. Sanctification means God's gonna use the pain that we walk through and the, the stages of pain of shock and sorrow and, and sanctification becomes this process of God going, hey, I'm gonna use the thing that you've walked through to be a blessing in the life of somebody else. This is when he 
uses the pain of this world to build purpose and maturity in us. This is when the fruit of the spirit, how many of you know fruit grows after pruning? Fruit grows after seeds die. Fruit is the result of pain even in plants and the same is true for us. If you don't want a fruitful life, then you don't want a life with any pain. The fruit of the spirit becomes more evident in our lives here during sanctification. And then finally, the sixth stage, according to Rick Warren, is gonna be service. And this is where I think the, the, the other model of denial, acceptance, you know, all of that anger, um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, doesn't go forward facing. It doesn't go outward. It just kind of focuses on us and what it's done to us and where we're at in the process. But the final stage uh, of this, of what's happening in our city is it's gonna turn to service. This is when we choose joy and we let the spirit of God bear fruit in us beyond just accepting and surrendering to the reality of our pain. This is when our pain and our grief becomes part, our point of power to bless others. I really believe, listen, God wants to take our greatest pain and turn it into our life message. I wanna give you some preachy turn phrases. You can tweet this for me and put it on your Instagram and tag your church in it. God wants to take your mess and make it your message. Oh, let's go right there. God wants to use your test to become your testimony. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? This is choosing joy and grief. This is, this is when you can look someone in the face one day and say, I know what it feels like to lose it all. And right now you're going, I don't want to give this to nobody. I just want my stuff back. I get it. You're not there yet. But one day, because we trust, all my life you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. Even tragedy, un listen, God didn't do this to you, but he'll work something through you as a result of this stuff. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? And you need to tell this to me. This is part of bringing a gospel witness to our city. This is choosing joy and grief. This is joy to the world. Don't forget, Jesus came in very hard, painful ways. Think of being Mary, an unwed teenager, who has this baby from God, has to tell her mom and dad that, and her fiance, uh, hey, can we go to dinner? <laughs> I need to tell you something. So I'm pregnant, <laughs> isn't that great? Like we're gonna have a baby, not yours. Um, and let's go have it, but no one will let us in for various reasons. Uh, the end's full probably maybe because she's a single mom. I don't know why. I mean, who knows why the innkeeper didn't let her in? He was born into pain. He was born into a world of pain and brokenness and sin. And let me just tell you something. God does enter into our pain and God will continue entering into our pain. This is God with us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, Emmanuel. And we get to choose joy in grief. It's not just accepting and surrendering the pain. But watch this. This is what allows you to give your grief to God and give your growth to others. This is about giving your grief to God and giving your growth to others. This is why we give in tragedy. This is why we show up and serve. And one day those people will be on the front line serving. Can I tell you, man, it's, it's, it's so easy to lean in when others are in pain when you've been through some pain. That's the sanctification work of how God will work all things for your good. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? I'll never forget the first funeral we had in our church was a young... I mean, a, a couple with a young son in his early 20s who died. I mean, it was tragic. None of us could handle it. It was awful, awful, awful. And guess what? Six years later, we've had multiple couples who've had kids die 
And guess who I always send those couples to? That first couple. And guess what they say? We'll gladly take them because we're acquainted with that. And listen, I want to tell you, choosing joy allows us to give our grief to God and give our growth to others. We give those things to God, but then we start giving our, our growth and our pain, our story to encourage others in the Lord. The same God that walks you through it is the God who will walk them through it. It helps move us from the pit of pity and takes us to the pleasure of building the lives of others. Pain's inevitable, grief is natural, but I want you to look forward to the process of grieving well and processing our grief in a way that's healthy and, bless, and a blessing to God and for others. Let me just give this caveat. Again, I said it earlier. We are, as we're grieving and processing these various stages, listen to me, this is a warning, like you gotta know this. Everyone grieves differently. Everyone's at different stages of this thing. You can't choose joy for them. And you can't push someone to a stage of grief they're not ready to be in. So I wanna encourage you, whether you were impacted by this storm or your health is failing, your family's falling apart, You've got some kind of health crisis. One of my best friends is in the hospital right now. He just went in last night. And the family's nervous. I'm nervous. I'm prayerful. We're gonna trust the Lord that he's with us and he's bringing us through something with joy on the other side of it. As you and I stay close to this Jesus, joy to the world, the Lord has come. You and I will experience a deep sense of contentment, a deep sense of connection to God that comes because Jesus brings joy in times of grief. I wanna close with a couple confessions that we need to make. A few simple observations from the text I read in Luke 2, if we'll put that back on the screen. It's the most famous passage as we think about the birth narrative of Jesus. Luke 2, the angel says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ, who is the Lord. This great joy is because Jesus. The ability to walk with people through tragedy is because of Jesus, and it is good news. He is great joy. And like any gift he was given to us, we need to know what is this gift? How does it work? Why do I need it? There are three titles given of Jesus in this text. The first one, write this down, Jesus is our Savior. That is, no one is saved apart from Jesus. Notice, it's good news of great joy for everyone. What is the good news of great joy? Christ, our Savior. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. No one is saved apart from Jesus. And our town needs to know that. Your neighbors need to know that. That's why we want you to bring them to church on Christmas weekend, because they're going to hear that Jesus is our Savior. Our, own, our only way of salvation is to put our dependence and our faith and our confidence in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I can never be close to God. Listen, we can never be close to God apart from Jesus. Never. Some people say, I don't need, I don't need Christianity, I'm spiritual. I don't know what spirit you're spiritual with. Because we only have the Holy Spirit when we've accepted Jesus as our means of getting close to the Father. So you can be spiritual, but that ain't the Holy Spiritual. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The only way we're saved is through Jesus. God sent Jesus to save us. It is the ultimate rescue mission of the world. We've been doing all kinds of work of rescue and rubble cleaning, but the ultimate rescue We're so happy that Jesus. you joined us the today. Lord has come. Jesus, our Savior. Second, notice the title of the angel gives him, is Jesus the Christ. 
This is an ancient title of Messiah. The Hebrew word would have been Messiah, anointed one. It's loaded with centuries of prophetic language, promises about Messiah. For these shepherds in the field, they would have been so excited to know our Messiah is here, our Christ is here. And it's language that many of us take for granted. Some of you think Christ is his last name. It's not. (laughs) But Christ is the New Testament word of that Old Testament title for Messiah. That this Jesus would be our Messiah, our deliverer from sin, the anointed one to heal us and to connect us back to God, to rekindle our relationship with the Lord. It's only through Jesus that we have salvation and deliverance and redemption and praise and fulfillment. This is good news. This is great joy. God has come to be our, our, our savior, to be our Christ, to deliver us and to set us right. And the third title the angel gives him is he is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our Lord. This is the other part of the good news and great joy. But it's the part we don't like. Because how many of you know, like I'll take your savior, but let me be my own Lord. Anybody else struggle with that besides all of us? God, if you'll save me and take me to heaven, but please let me live however I want on earth. No, no, no. He is Christ, the Savior. He is also Lord. The story of Christ coming is the story that God has come to us. He is God with us. He is God over over everything, and he wants to be God over you. So he's come to be with us, to live with us, to dwell with us, to forgive us and heal us, and to rule us. recently talking with a good buddy of mine. He's a pastor and he's praying about a decision and he's now into the comparison apples to apples and the pros and cons list. And I said, here's the pros and cons list about following God. You ready? What does God want? And I'll do that. Yeah, but, but there's this and this and these factors and these, this pro and con and the cost and the, what it's going to do to my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does God want? And he's Lord. So that's what I'll do, but it's going to cost me. What does God want? He's Lord. I can't give up a work day, a personal day to go serve and clean up. Well, what does God want? He's Lord. I don't want to give that offering because I was saving it for something. What does God want? He's Lord. We love Jesus the Savior. We're thankful for Jesus as the anointed Christ. Man, we struggle with Jesus as Lord. But the angel says, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ, who is the Lord. God has come to be Lord of our lives. And our mission as a church is to lead people to be fully devoted, surrendered, committed followers of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. And until we finish breathing, he's got more Lordship to flex in your life. So let me wrap this message with a challenge to all of us to consider the joy of God's presence this Christmas. Have you received the gift of Christ? Have you received gift of Jesus? Have you accepted the reason and the use of this gift? Have you not only accepted him as savior, but have you committed to him as Messiah, redeemer, and have you committed to him as Lord of every part of your life? That's part of having joy. Man, I'm not even in charge of this thing anymore. I have great joy that he's in charge. He's my boss. He rules. I'm just going to tell you all as a church. My wife and I, we want to live under, we don't have this perfect all the time, but our desire is to live under the Lordship of Christ. I don't wanna just go to heaven one day. I wanna live like I belong to heaven today. Y'all hear me? That's Lordship. And there's great joy in that because all my life he has been faithful. 
All my life, he's been so, so good. His goodness is running after me because he's my savior, my Messiah. He's my Lord. That's where joy starts and comes from. So I have good news. God is here with us to live with you, to come alongside you, to be in you by his spirit, to empower you, to live for him. And that gift for you is good news. It's great news of great joy for all of us. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much and we are so grateful for your word, for your presence and your power in our lives today. We thank you for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We thank you that the joy of the Lord and the mercies of God are new every morning. And God, we receive by faith the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after us. We are thankful that your joy is our strength. Thank you, Lord, for the coming of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, that you would speak to us through these, this word and these texts, not only how to receive joy and how to receive Jesus, but how to help others in their stages of pain and grief. Lord, thank you for turning our sorrow into, into dancing and our grief into joy. Thank you, Lord that in Jesus we can walk through this tragedy together and we can point people to the cross of Jesus Christ, to the joy that comes by knowing the Lord Jesus. God, we receive it by faith. Can you just open your hands to the Lord? In fact, can we stand all over this room and, in, and at Austin P and online if you're able, can we just stand where we are? Lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I trust you. Come on, pray this with me. God, I trust you. I trust your presence in my life. I trust your power over me. All my life you've been faithful. Come on, say it like you mean it. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And I trust in the goodness of God, in the presence of the Lord, in the joy of the Lord over me in Jesus' name. Now say, God, I commit to you to give my whole life. Every part of me belongs to you. You are my savior. You are my Christ. You are my Lord. I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. I believe you died for me. I believe you raised from the dead to give me eternal life and eternal living. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Come on. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.